I guess the craziest thing about my love of professional wrestling is it doesn't matter how old I get. It doesn't matter how much of the business has actually been exposed. It doesn't matter how many times the product that WWE has put out that has completely disappointed me. It's almost like you have one of those few lasting connections to when you were a kid and things were just fun. I think that's what it is about being a professional wrestling fan, even in the jaded age of 2016. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, hey now, how's it going? That's right, you're hearing me for a third time this week. My name is J. Scott Smith, and this is episode 5 of JSC Radio. How's it going, everybody? This has been a busy week. I don't know how in the blue hell that guys like Jim Ross and Steve Austin and Chris Jericho pull off doing multiple podcasts during a week. This will be the third one to air this week and the second one I've recorded this week. And this one is is one I've been planning on doing for a while. I'm looking forward to this one, actually. I've always said that if I was going to do a podcast, I wanted to be able to do it on my own terms, have my own rules, and just have a hell of a lot of fun. And to me, nothing is more fun than really for the first time just sitting up and doing a straight-up wrestling podcast. And no, I'm not going to be one of those obnoxious, nerdy douchebags who sounds like myth and talks about work rate and talks about how how the story... No, I I mean, I'll get into storyline things and I'll talk about how, you know, the product isn't exactly the greatest, but I approach it from more of a practical sense. I'm a fan of professional wrestling, not sports entertainment. Check this out. The first time I can say I honestly sat and watched a pro wrestling match was in 1984. I was five years old. I I didn't understand what the hell wrestling was in the least. I'm just sitting there in this upstairs living room in my old house back in Detroit, Michigan, and... I just remember seeing two guys get in the ring and just beat the hell out of each other. It was something else, and it was something special. And turned out that that something special I was watching was pro wrestling. And it was from this company that was known as the World Wrestling Federation. Now, I knew nothing about wrestling. I just knew it was two guys kicking the crap out of each other, and I just knew I liked it. But it just took me a little time to kind of learn about what it is and what it was. The following year, 1985, was the first WrestleMania. And the first professional wrestler, quote-unquote, that I could remember was Captain Lou Albano. Because, again, this is the mid-'80s, and I'm a little kid, and you turn on TV for little kids to, you know, keep them preoccupied. And I remember seeing Cyndi Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun video, and the dad in the video was Captain Lou Albano. And the WWF at the time was teamed up with MTV on this thing called the Rockin' Wrestling Connection. So you have the pro wrestlers meeting up with the music video age. And man, listen, that was just too much fun. The first WrestleMania featured Mr. T, a guy that 
I remember from the A-Team. I was a huge fan of the A-Team. That was my show. You couldn't tell me a damn thing about the A-Team. And, oh, my, here's Mr. T. Now, obviously, I didn't know fully at the time, again, too young, know all about what Mr. T did in the Rocky movies, which also meant I didn't know a whole hell of a lot about Thunderlips. But you may know him as Hulk Hogan or Terry Bollea, but you have to understand, as we've seen recently, Terry Bollea and Hulk Hogan are two different people in more ways than one. So Hulk Hogan was the first guy. I mean, Mr. T was huge, but then I see this bigger guy behind him who just commanded this attention, and his name was Hulk Hogan. That was the first major wrestling star I got behind. Everybody knew who Hogan was. And then over time, as I watched more of the WWF, I started to notice there were other guys creeping into the picture. Guys like Jake the Snake Roberts and the British Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh my, every Saturday morning, it became an obsession. Me and my homeboys on the on the block, it was every Saturday morning, 11 a.m., Channel 2, WWF, Superstars of Wrestling. And every Sunday morning on Channel 50 in Detroit, it was Wrestling Challenge from the WWF. And it was just, you, you couldn't believe it. Pro wrestling was it for me as a kid. And this was still back in the 80s where if you dared to tell somebody that, oh, it's fake, can't you see it's fake, don't you know it's fake, you might get punched in the face for real. And I don't just mean by a wrestling fan, I mean by a pro wrestler. You didn't want to hear it wasn't real. You mean to tell me, you can't tell me my, my then six, seven, eight-year-old brain to process, that guy got hit with a chair. It's real. That guy's bleeding. It's real. Macho Man just dropped a bell on Ricky Steamboat's throat. You want to tell me that ain't real? You want to tell me him sitting there having to train to get his voice back wasn't real? You can miss me with that, playboy. But no, I love pro wrestling. It was one of the things of being a kid, especially being a kid in the 80s. It was pro wrestling, it was video games, it was the Transformers, you name it, it was a part of who you were. Now, as I got a little older, and oh, by the way, another favorite wrestler of mine was Junkyard Dog. God rest his soul. Actually, when it comes to pro wrestling, you gotta say that about a lot of guys. But Junkyard Dog, JYD was just, he, he, was, he was awesome because he was one of us. There weren't a whole lot of black wrestlers at the time. At least not black wrestlers in a high-profile position. I mean, there was S.D. Jones who got beaten like four seconds at the first WrestleMania. There was Kamala, and you had about a few others, and there you go. It's like you didn't have a lot of us, so Junkyard Dog was the man to me. And as I got older, and we got, I then stumbled upon WTBS, which is now just TBS. And they had wrestling on on Saturday nights at 6.05, but it wasn't the WWF. I would see... These wrestlers on there who looked a lot different. The ring looked different. It was grittier. It was grimier. And it wasn't Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and Rowdy Roddy Piper and, and Ricky the Dragon. Well, not at that time. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. It wasn't Andre the Giant. It was this really flamboyant, really loud dude with big blonde hair, really sparkly robes, really nice suits, really nice watches, Really dope sunglasses who could talk you a blue streak. We are the studs in professional wrestling. We are the men that get it done. And he had three dudes with him who were trouble. That man was the nature boy, Ric Flair. I'm suddenly introduced to the NWA 
Not that NWA, the original NWA. And I'm introduced to the likes of Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson and Barry Windham and Lex Luger and Sting and the Steiner Brothers and Kevin Sullivan. That's just run Dusty the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Come on, bruh. I get introduced to the NWA, which eventually was bought out by Ted Turner and became this little thing known as World Championship Wrestling, WCW. I've been a pro wrestling head as long as I can remember. And here's the killer thing about it. We progressed into the 90s and the game changed. Then you enter some new guys like The Undertaker, like Shawn Michaels. Tag teams like the Hart Foundation broke up and a dude like Bret Hart became a star. Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall. You got all this. But wrestling wasn't the same and as you get older you become more jaded. But I never fully lost it. You'll never hear me call pro wrestling sports entertainment. If you don't specifically work for the World Wrestling Federation, WWE as it's known now, if you don't specifically work for them or you're not one of the McMahons, nobody refers to professional wrestling as sports entertainment. That's a euphemism he's been trying to get over for more than 30 years and it's never caught on. It's professional wrestling. And I'm not ashamed to say I'm a pro wrestling fan. To this day, I still watch it. And yes, the product ain't what it was. I was in college when the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars were going on. And that's what gets me because a lot of cats went through the 90s because the WWF went into the crapper and WCW wasn't very good. And a lot of teenagers in my era, we fell off. They fell off wrestling. It got a little wonky. It got a little weird. It got a little strange. Then you got to 1995 and WCW stepped up and created Nitro. And then little by little things just started to change. Summer of 96, for example. Where in a, what was it, about a two-week span, you have this gentleman win the King of the Ring tournament who had been an up-and-coming star in the business but just hadn't really gotten a shot. He was always right there and he hadn't really gotten a shot. And then all of a sudden, he wins the King of the Ring tournament, and he changed the whole damn game with a simple phrase. You sit there, and you thump your Bible, and you say your prayers, and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms. Talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says, I just whipped your ass. Meanwhile, two weeks later, WCW pulls out Hulk Hogan, And he runs out there at Bash at the Beach, appearing to want to go save Randy Savage and Sting. And then all of a sudden... Hulk Hogan arrived! What is he doing? Oh my God! Is he the third man? He's the third man! What the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW! He is the third man in this this picture! Oh my God! What the hell is going on? Oh my God! Are you kidding me? Probably the lowest shot ever given to professional wrestling. That man did right there, Hulk Hogan. This right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. You're always into it. You're always into the in, into the genre, into the game. I remember going to a WWF show at the Breslin Center at Michigan State University. Just to, just to get tickets, the line was wrapped around the building, back out damn near onto Michigan Avenue. It was crazy. I miss that. 
really the thing about professional wrestling is, and I think no matter how mediocre the product can become and how predictable and how aggravating the McMahons are and everything else, the reason I can still go back to it is there's a part of that childhood still there. That while I gotta be a grown-up all the time, there's a little bit of that child in you, that teenager in you, that rebellious young adult in you that gravitates to the WWF. And yes, I'm gonna slip up and call it WWF a lot because I just can't get with the E, and it's been more than, than it's been almost 15 years. Don't care. And yes, I hear, I will certainly hear from those of you with your noses stuck in the air and huh, how can you watch that? It's fake. It's fake. How can you watch that? How can you watch such things? You're a grown-up. How can you watch pro wrestling? Yes, because that reality show that you watch is just so much more sophisticated and grown-up and legit than pro wrestling. Let's call a spade a spade. They're both works. You're getting worked one way or the other. The only difference is we know what we're getting into watching pro wrestling now. The business, unfortunately, got exposed in the last 20 years. We know the deal. We don't sit here and profess that what happens every Monday night on Raw, every Thursday night on SmackDown, every pay-per-view Sunday, every Wednesday night on NXT. We don't profess to act as if what we're watching is real. Can you say the same if you're watching Love and Hip Hop? Can you say the same if you're watching The Real Housewives of... The hell if I know. I don't watch any of this crap. I don't think I'm any better than you because I don't watch them. So don't try to sit here and pass judgment on me. Because there are hundreds of thousands of us. And I guarantee you, if you're anywhere in my age range and you grew up in the 1980s, you secretly were a Hulk Hogan fan. You liked Macho Man Randy Savage. You still lose your mind a little bit when you see Ric Flair, even at 65 years old, walk his ass across that TV screen. Don't you act brand new with me. Pro wrestling and pro wrestlers have been as integral a part of pop culture and black culture as you could think of in the last 30 years. So many hip-hop artists, pro athletes, actors have considered themselves wrestling fans. My thing is pro wrestling, and that's what this show is about. Coming up after this break, we talk WrestleMania. And yes, I'm breaking down the card. We're going to have some fun here. You're listening to JSC Radio. Be back after this really quick break. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Hey now, it's J. Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio. And I want to personally take a second to thank you for taking out your time to listen to this show. But one other thing I would love for you to do while you're here is to take a little extra time and click on that Amazon link below the player. See, when you click on that Amazon link below the player, anything you purchase, and you don't have to purchase anything right now, but just bookmark it, save it to your favorites. And the next time you go on Amazon to purchase whatever it is, whether it's, I don't know, computer equipment or music, or you could be trying to buy a watch or buy a suitcase or buy a new microphone in case you want to start podcasting. Whenever you want to do that, click on the Amazon link, go buy whatever you want, and whenever you purchase something on Amazon, a little bit of it gets chipped off to help JSC Radio keep rocking, keep rolling, and keep growing. So again, click on that little Amazon link right beneath the player. You'll see it. It's highlighted right beneath the player. Save it to your bookmarks. You ain't got to buy nothing right now, but the next time you want to jump on Amazon, Put your Amazon Prime to use. And also, it will definitely work if you want to download music and download Amazon Video too. A little bit of money gets shipped off 
to JSC Radio to help keep us moving. Really appreciate it. So show some love, get on Amazon, and click the link. This is JSC Radio. Undertaker, this Sunday at WrestleMania, you and I are going to rip each other apart because we have no other alternative. Both you and I are going to control our own personal destiny. The difference is I'm fighting to win and you're fighting not to lose. You may be my father's instrument of destruction, but I am the instrument of change here in the WWE. That's been needed for a very, very long time. And if I have to cement my legacy by destroying yours, then that's what I have to do. You need to watch your mouth, rich boy. You don't get to talk about my legacy. Let me take you back to WrestleMania two years ago. Your legacy died. You're just like your old man. Seeing how from the very day that you were born, You've been your daddy's This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. Episode 5, numero 5 of this. Lord knows how long I'm going to be doing this, so I try to enjoy every second. This week is dedicated to WrestleMania, and this will be one of many times we go wrestling on this show. So this is not a one-off type of deal, if you hadn't gathered that in the first segment of the show. So... WrestleMania, it's a, uh, it's an American institution, as I mentioned. In particular, I've got five of them that I just will always look back the most fondly upon. The first one, for obvious reasons, is WrestleMania 3. Pontiac Silverdome, 93,000 plus, at the former home of the Detroit Lions. And yes, Dave Meltzer, there were at least 90,000 people in the Pontiac Silverdome. This, 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 this bollocks about it being 78,000 in the Silverdome, no, not even close. As someone who went to numerous Lions games at the Silverdome during the 90s when the Lions were actually a respectable football team, I've seen what that place is like packed. Packed out, it was 80,000 in the stands. There were 80,000 people in those seats, plus at least another eight to 10,000 on the field level. So stop with this silliness that it was 78,000. It was at least 90, maybe not 93, not 93, 173, but you better believe it was 93. And WrestleMania 3, of course, well-known for two matches. The most well-known, obviously, is Hogan versus Andre. However, the reason I remember WrestleMania 3 so damn fondly was because of the Intercontinental title match. And to this day, maybe for sentimental reasons, I still consider it the greatest WrestleMania match ever. It set the standard, and that's the Intercontinental title match between Macho Man Randy Savage and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I mean, just go on the WWE Network and watch that. They have a special section of WrestleMania show stealers. That thing is in there. Go watch that and tell me that match 
wasn't all the business. The next WrestleMania that stands out to me is the following year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 4, where Savage ends up winning the world title after that insane situation with Hogan and Andre the Giant and and the twin referees and all that insanity. Macho Man Randy Savage wins the title, holds it for a year, goes on to WrestleMania 5 where the mega powers explode, brother, and Hogan gets it back. The, The next WrestleMania that really jumped out to me was WrestleMania 10. Now, the reason I bring up WrestleMania 10, WrestleMania 10 was in that, was like the the diamond in the pile of poo that was WrestleMania's 8, 9, and 11. WrestleMania 10 was a milestone WrestleMania. It was pretty good. It was the last WrestleMania for Savage. It was cut, it was the first WrestleMania post-Hogan. It was a it was a show that stood out because it had Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, better known as Scott Hall, in that latter match. You had Bret versus Owen Hart. And then Brett coming out later on in the night and facing Yokozuna. It, it was actually a better show than one figured. So there was WrestleMania 10. The fourth one is WrestleMania 13. WrestleMania 13 featured what could arguably be the only match I've seen that, one of the two matches, I should say, that stood up or stood with Savage and Steamboat. And that is the one of the all-time great double turns with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart, where Bret comes in, the angry, pissed-off former champion. He's in the match because Shawn Michaels lost his smile, quote-unquote, and realistically just didn't want to put Bret over to pay him back for the year before when Bret put him over in the Iron Man match. So Bret had to, quote-unquote, settle for this match with Steve Austin, and it became an all-time classic. And everybody knows the iconic shot of a bloodied-up Steve Austin caught in the sharpshooter, refusing to give up, Ken Shamrock screaming in his ear, to, to give him a sign that he's going to keep going. And next thing you know, Austin passes out. Brett wins. But in the process, Austin, who was this just brutal heel a year before, before you know the aforementioned King of the Ring, where suddenly everything started to turn, Austin is now a superhero in these man's eyes. And Bret Hart headed in the opposite direction to actually do some of the, probably the best work of his career as this angry, pissed off, jilted, former babyface turned heel. So those first four, and the last WrestleMania that I can honestly tell you that really jumped out to me was 17. Now that's not to say there haven't been good WrestleMania since then, but my top five closes with what I consider the pinnacle of the Attitude Era in 2001 at the Astrodome. WrestleMania 17, a week after WWF has bought WCW. You've got Austin at his peak, Rock at his peak. You've got Triple H at his peak. You've got The Undertaker going through a career renaissance as the American badass. You have the Hardys and the Dudleys and Edge and Christian in that insane that insane TLC match. You have to go back and watch all of WrestleMania 17. It can't just be one thing. You have to go through all of them. And there have been signature matches, and there have been big moments since then, and there have been big moments in interspersed in other WrestleManias. But those five, three, four, 10, 13, and 17 are the five favorites I have. There were a couple good ones in the 20s. WrestleMania 22 was pretty good in Chicago. WrestleMania 21 was pretty good in Los Angeles. And WrestleMania 25 is mentioned for simply one match, and that's Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. So when you look at this year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 32, yes, it is WrestleMania 32. Contrary to what Vince McMahon wants you to believe, it's WrestleMania 32. For some odd reason, he doesn't want people 
knowing the numbers anymore, which doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me or anybody else. We know it's WrestleMania 32. I think he said he didn't want WrestleMania having numbers because he didn't want people to think the event was old. Dude, the NFL had Super Bowl 50. 50! The fact that your event has been around 32 years is not a negative. That's a positive, bro. So no matter how much you insist upon calling pro wrestling sports entertainment, and no matter how much you insist upon not mentioning the number next to WrestleMania, it's WrestleMania 32. So let's get a look at this card for WrestleMania 32. And we're we're really, really going to just go from, from bottom up to top here. We've got the two matches that are going to occur in the pre-show. Well, actually, three matches that are occur in the pre-show. The first one is the 5-on-5 Diva tag match, which... By God, I hope it's true they're getting rid of that terminology. Diva tag match with Brie Bella, Natalia, Alicia Fox, Paige, and their special secret weapon coming up from NXT. It's Eva Marie. And when I tell you, when she came out there on Monday Night Raw in Brooklyn, that thing went over like a wet fart in church. And, and I mean, it, you know how difficult it is these days to get that kind of heat on you and not be named Roman Reigns? Think Eva Marie. And I don't know if this company was doing it just to troll everybody or they legitimately thought Eva Marie was going to get cheered when she strolled out into the Barclays Center. But, oh boy, that didn't go over well. They will be facing the team of Team Bad and Blonde, which includes Summer Rae, Naomi, Lana, Tamina, and Emma, who she has to be wondering, what exactly did she do to deserve to be stuck in the middle of this cluster? I'm not even going to come up with a winner because that match is irrelevant. Unfortunately, another match is irrelevant involves the Dudley Boys, which is going to be just this grudge tag team match between the Dudleys and the Usos, who came into last year's WrestleMania as the tag team champions, and now they're just kind of out of luck. And the Dudleys, who are back at a WrestleMania, sort of, for the first time in more than a decade, are on the kickoff show, the preview show. I think it's going to air on the USA Network. That, that's one that you're just going to kind of bypass. Then we get to the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, which is, that's actually going to be one of the leadoffs to the show. Oh, I, for, I almost forgot. The United States Heavyweight Championship. Yes, I still call it the U.S. Heavyweight title. That's Kalisto, the champion, taking on Ryback. Yeah, I know. Just think, a year ago, the U.S. title was Rusev, Rusev Crush, versus John Cena when Rusev came into WrestleMania on top of a friggin' tank. Now, it's not even on the actual main show, and it features one half of the Lucha Dragons against low-budget Goldberg. Okay! All right. I don't know. Kalisto will probably retain the title, or who knows? Maybe Ryback will win the U.S. strap and... They'll actually try to figure out what to do with Pseudo Goldberg. Anyhow, we go on to the actual show itself, WrestleMania. Now, I'm not going to belabor the point and waste time on tripe like the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. But when I, I know you're wondering, how can you ignore such a barn burner of a match that features guys such as Heath Slater and Bo Dallas and The Big Show and Tyler Breeze and Adam Rose? Oy, oh, my. Yeah, we're not going to waste time on that. We're going to get to brass tacks and get to the get to some of the things that people actually want to see as a part of WrestleMania. So the first one that I'll start with is the Intercontinental Championship ladder match, where this thing just screams overbooked to death. It was a match that truthfully only needed two guys in it. The defending champion, Kevin Owens, and the dude that has been chasing his ass all over the world for the better part of the last decade and a half, Sami Zayn, 
aka El Generico. If you could get an El Generico versus Kevin Steen match at WrestleMania, you know, I mean, as it is, I don't think anybody even a year and a half or two years ago would ever thought you would have that possibility that you get those two guys at WrestleMania. But the problem is they had to go and add five more guys who had no need to be in this thing. I mean, can you explain to me any compelling reason why any of these five guys should be in this match? The Miz, uh, Cody Rhodes, a.k.a. Stardust. I mean, Cody's a damn good wrestler. And I think if, they, if they're if they ever able to talk him out of this Stardust thing and just let him go back to being Cody, he could actually do wonders. He's a really good dude, great personality in the ring. The guy works works his ass off. That Rhodes worker gene is definitely in him. But instead, he's out there dancing around like Bizarro World Gold Dust. So, uh. Then there's poor Zack Ryder, who apparently has been set loose on parole from NXT and the Hype Bros. Zack hasn't, uh, up until last week, I don't think I could recall the last time I saw him win a match that wasn't on NXT when he beats Chris Jericho thanks to AJ Styles' help. I, I can't remember the last time this dude actually won a straight-up match on TV. So, uh. Then, Sin Cara, uh, Oh, God. It's like it, it's like each one gets a little worse. And then we get to Dolph Ziggler, who, if anybody's paid attention to WWE the last month, and I can blame you if you haven't, Dolph Ziggler, just two weeks ago, lost a match to Triple H that effectively eliminated him from participating in WrestleMania at all. Like, at all. He came out, got in the face of Triple H, talked talk back to Stephanie, Said, if I can't beat Triple if you can beat Triple H, you get whatever match you want, save for, of course, the world title match at WrestleMania. But if you lose, you're done. Dolph did what he did best, went out there, worked his ass off, did everything he could, got pedigreed, and sent home. He lost. So what happens the following week? Not a damn thing. He somehow talked his way into the Intercontinental Championship match, despite not having actually earned it. So you got two guys who should, who have a ready-made beef, a ready-made rivalry, and then you just go ahead and sprinkle five other guys into the mix, like adding sugar to Frosted Flakes. Why? My, my pick for that is either Owens or Zayn walks out with that title. There's not another one of those five guys. I mean, can you really picture Zack Ryder, Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion, Sin Cara, Intercontinental Champion, no, it's either Owens or it's Zayn walking out with that belt on Sunday. And yes, round here we say belt. We don't say title, we say belt, because that's what it is. Next up is the New Day and the League of Nations. It's another one of those situations where you have the New Day who are extremely over. I don't get me wrong, but they're facing the League of Nations, which is four dudes who individually, well, at least two of them anyhow, are extremely good talents. I mentioned the, after, the Rusev coming out of the damn tank last year. Alberto Del Rio, and this shows you how bad things have gotten. People forget Alberto Del Rio is legit one of the best wrestlers on the planet. On the planet. But he's relegated to like this borderline Barry Windham role with the League of Nations. Then you have Wade Barrett who's got one foot out the door. And then you have Sheamus. What are we doing? Seriously, what are we doing? Why, why, why is this? I guess they got to finish out this thing. So it's a four-on-three handicap match. I'm going to just say New Day wins, and we keep it pushing. Next up, and this one is another one of those matches you wouldn't have pictured, but it's the first matchup that I've listed here that really does interest me, like super interests me. I mean, I dig ladder matches and all that, but the first just one-on-one -on -one match really interests me. And honestly, if the right situation had arisen, I'd love to see this be like a United States championship match. You would get 
Chris Jericho, AJ Styles. Enough said. These guys have had multiple great matches. You get heel Jericho, who is so insecure he can't stand the fact that AJ Styles is getting all this love. And you get Styles, arguably, again, one of the five best active wrestlers on the planet, now that Brian Danielson is retired. One of the five best active wrestlers on the planet. Maybe one of the two best active wrestlers on the planet, come to think of it. And he spends all this time in TNA. He was in WCW right when it was bought out. He's been in Japan. He's been in all the Indies. He's been in Ring of Honor. He's done all these things. And now he's finally in WrestleMania. He finally gets to do his thing and wrestle at WrestleMania. And he's facing Chris Jericho. And I have a hard time picturing AJ Styles losing his first WrestleMania match, even to a great like Chris Jericho, who this guy has been able to be as versatile and continue to show he can be timeless. He's actually in better shape now than he was in seven, eight years ago. But I got to give it to AJ on this one. Next up is the No Holds Barred match. Dean Ambrose, Brock Lesnar. This thing's going to be brutal. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be nasty. It's going to be physical. And I mean that in the best way possible. Dean Ambrose, I'll put it like this. Few guys in this company currently take an ass whipping quite like Dean Ambrose. Dolph Ziggler, it might be the only other one. But Dean Ambrose takes beatings. And if you're going to get in the ring with Brock Lesnar, you got to prepare to take a beating. And they've, the build of this has been was pretty good. It gets a little weird, a little wonky, and a little silly because Dean Ambrose has always had this oddball combination going of Cactus Jack and Brian Pillman and Roddy Piper and Terry Funk. He's got this kind of a weird little hybrid personality where at times he can be dead serious, super intense, and then at other points he can be wild and wacky Dean Ambrose. And I would prefer to see the Dean Ambrose who got amped up when Mick Foley handed him a barbed wire covered baseball bat than the Dean Ambrose who, the wild, wacky Dean Ambrose who was using a chainsaw to slice a table in half in a bar or walking around with a big red wagon full of weapons. Brock Lesnar is an animal. He's a monster. And when he's in the ring, you get goosebumps. I get goosebumps seeing the dude come down the aisle, for God's sake. That's a guy I'd never want to be on the business end of period Brock's gonna win this match but the thing is it keeps adding to the lore of Dean Ambrose who strangely enough WWE's been trying to get Roman Reigns over as this downtrodden every man who just keeps coming so close and the authority holds him down and he's right there and you want people to invest in his fight for the championship despite the fact he's held it twice Fight for the championship despite the fact he keeps getting opportunities. He keeps fighting for this opportunity and he just comes up short. But the problem is, they've been telling that story for a year. It's just that they've been telling it with Dean Ambrose. Reigns is the entitled, I've gotten everything handed to me, dude. Ambrose is the guy who's just fighting for table scraps and out here really showing that he could be a guy who could carry you as a top dude. But nope, let's go with the big Samoan. Brock's going to win the match, but Ambrose is going to make a name for himself on Sunday. Then we start getting into the real the real fun. We have the triple threat women's match for the WWF Women's Championship. Not Divas. The WWF Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair, the champ, versus Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. Lord have mercy. They let these girls go out there and do their thing like they did in NXT, where they had numerous three-way matches, they had fatal four-ways, of course, the fourth person in that match being one Miss Bailey, and they would tear the house down. You give the three of them 
free reign to do what they want and they and they just go all out you get a great match and god willing either charlotte or sasha banks sorry nothing against becky lynch but i just picture either sasha banks or charlotte with that women's women's championship not that stupid my little pony belt that they've been carrying around for the last few years my pick to win the thing i just seem to picture them keeping that belt on charlotte you either keep it on charlotte or you give it to sasha but i just have a funny feeling that charlotte is going to keep that t- keep that world title that women's world title and then the following night on raw or maybe this is just my personal fantasy she comes out there like medusa did on nitro in 1995 grab a grab a garbage pail stand right next to the table and drop that my little pony divas championship in the in the garbage bin and then pull out a real women's world championship but my pick here is going to be charlotte then we get to the two main events i'm going to go first to triple h and roman reigns the world title match triple h the coo triple h the patriarch of nxt the triple h your wwe world heavyweight champ against roman reigns the least over babyface this side of 1993 Hulk Hogan. This side of 1995 WCW Hulk Hogan. This dude ain't over. Not even close. Everywhere he goes, he gets booed mercilessly. And no, and no level of audio sweetening, no level of creative editing is going to make people not notice that Roman Reigns is getting booed out the building. You think of that promo that Triple H cut on Raw on Monday in Brooklyn. If not for Stephanie McMahon standing in that ring, Triple H gets a standing ovation because he told a story. That was a redemption promo. That I didn't have the hunger to be champion until Roman Reigns attacked me at the end of that pay-per-view. Then he comes back and wins the Royal Rumble and wins the world title. Dude, that he had people standing up and applauding him after that. It's like weird. I mentioned that double turn with Bret Hart and, and Steve Austin. There's a conventional wisdom that perhaps something like that could be off in the distance because Triple H is this is not the Triple H of 10 years ago, the most hated man in the business Triple H. This is a Triple H who's matured, grown up, and went from being a guy who buried everybody to a guy who's given breaks to some of the best young talent in the world and given shots to guys who probably wouldn't have gotten through the door even two, three years ago. There's a really good chance that, albeit I just don't trust them to be creative enough to pull this off, that you somehow fully flip Roman Reigns and just say the hell with it and just make him a heel. Give the people what they want. And in the process, if you turn Triple H into a babyface, full bore, boom, do it. I don't want to say this, and that's why I hope this is not the last match of the night, because somehow Roman Reigns is winning that world title, and it's going to be ugly. Roman Reigns might as well go out there wearing a Philadelphia Eagle or New York Giant jersey in Dallas. That's how ugly that's going to get for him when he wins that world title, and I have a bad feeling he is. And then we close the show, theoretically, with Shane McMahon versus The Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. If Shane wins, he gets control of the company. And The Undertaker is donezo at WrestleMania. Taker wins, Vince keeps control, and Shane is likely out of here. Though conventional wisdom on this, and again, it's hard to figure because with WWE, you never really know. I have a difficult time believing that The Undertaker, a guy who up until two years ago was undefeated at WrestleMania, had faced some yeah he faced some driftwood giant gonzalez and king kong bundy and kane multiple times and it and 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 jimmy snooker yeah he he faced some some not so well-known guys but he also faced some legends like jake the snake roberts three times with triple h two times with Shawn michaels 
I mean, it's it's like he been Randy Orton. He's faced some some good, some really damn good talent too. I just have a difficult time seeing Shane McMahon without a ton of help, without some unforeseen dude running in, winning against the Undertaker and Hell in a Cell. But I don't know. This is the one I can't call. But when I saw Shane McMahon go flying off that damn top rope and plant that elbow on the Undertaker on Monday night, I know this much. Even if Shane doesn't win, Shane's going to do something out of control and out of pocket and out of his mind. And at 46 years old, doing that insanity that he was pulling back in 2000 and 2001 and in 1999, dude, go easy on yourself. Seriously. Taker wins this thing, though. And that's my breakdown of WrestleMania. I hope it was as good for you as it was for me. Coming up next week, episode six. Look for it likely on Tuesday. This is a three-episode week, so it's going to be a little rough. So might get an extra day. But next Tuesday, I'll say we'll have episode six. That's all I'm going to say. Enjoy WrestleMania. Order it on the WWE Network. Click on the Amazon link below the player and find your favorite WWE gear, whether it's T-shirts, whether it's videos, whether it's music, whatever the case may be. Check out the Amazon link beneath the page and be sure to show love to JSE Radio. Until next time, take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Let's take them home with one of the all-time, if not the all-time great moment from WrestleMania. I'll holla at you next week. He's hooking up, Jess. I don't know if he's got enough left in him. That adrenaline can do wonders. We're seeing what this guy is really made of, what he is. The greatest professional athlete in the world today. Look at this. He's He's I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm dropping a big leg. Over for the cover. It's over. Unbelievable. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. This is JSC Radio.